I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the podcast of a woman named Rad and a man named Paul. Welcome to Game for Anything. I'm Rad. And I'm Paul. And welcome to Game 4 Anything's of the Year series. It's our retrospective year (laughs) moment where we tell you our favourite things from the year that was. Uh, It's January now. Can you tell that we had planned to do this over the Christmas break? (laughs) Yeah, way earlier. Uh, Well, it's it's now, you know, um, would we call this mid-Jan? It's kind of mid-Jan. We're still going. I'm still in holiday mode, so I'm, I'm into it. But we're going to focus on uh, gaming tech and pop culture. Yes. And my problem, Rad, is that now it's so far into January. If we say this is an of the year episode, technically, is this predictive? <laughs> Are we talking about our favorite things of 2024? Are we allowed to strange the future? I just think uh, Taylor Swift is going to release yet another version of all her music to just keep the money pump going god bless people who can get on board the taylor swift train i am not i'm not too oh, tooting my way down hold your tongue they'll come for you those swifties are <laughs> lively I once, <laughs> I once made the mistake of i had to review a one direction film for the vine a couple of years back many years back actually and i made some disparaging comments about one direction and i almost had to like get an unmarked number they were vehement I think they almost put a hit out on me. They, they they love what they love. I do have to stop you because I have just realized that in classic Paul fashion, you started your sentence, then had another thought midway and just deviated. And you never actually said that what we're doing in this episode is looking at music, looking at our albums of the year. Yes. And there've been so many albums, not this year, last year, just to clarify again, 2023. 2023. <laughs> 2023 had some absolute bangers. Now we've looked at our favorite games of 2023, our favorite board games, pieces of tech. It's music this episode. Well, I just want to give our credentials first because I know that you might be listening thinking, oh, these little nerds with their little video games. What do they think that they know about music? I'll have you know that both Paul and I have quite a strong background in music. We've both done music radio with Paul over on Triple J. Somehow the younger and cooler channel, even though he's the older and <laughs> more, yeah, but, uh, more eclectic of us two. I'm the same age as two young people. So I'm twice, <laughs> twice, twice, mathematically, I'm twice as young and cool. And I've also done Double J music radio and play a bit of music myself. So I look... We're tastemakers, and uh, we're going to dive into the world of music. But the album of the year that is my pick is Romy's album, Midair. This is her debut solo album, Romy from the XX, and it's just a whole bunch of fun. I kind of think of it as like 90s-inspired club bangers that's a little bit horny. It's a little bit horny. She's on my mind, but I wish she was it's very queer. So is this an active listen or is this just kind of really good background music? Because I tend to put music into one of two categories. Oh, I 
don't know if I tend to put music in those categories because sometimes I put it on as background music and sometimes I listen to it more mindfully. It's just been on absolute repeat for me since it came out. It's one that I keep coming back to. Um, and I think it's got a good mix of sort of the XX's uh, sensibility of something filling a space in a way that doesn't feel too intrusive but at the same time it's more upbeat um, than the XX's usual offerings and it is music that you could dance to but without being kind of bush doof levels <laughs> I, I've never been to a bush doof neither have I I get the vibe thank god and god willing I never will what sort of performer is Romy what sort of vibe does Romy give I think she's a bit of a dork nice I think she's someone who's like quite shy and gentle and probably just loves making music uh, and has been thrust into maybe a world uh, that was potentially more than she bargained for. So Romy came and played um, a couple shows in Australia just recently. It was her first time playing, you know, solo shows here. Um, Mm. And I went and saw her in Sydney and vibes that I got were very like... Happy to be here, surprised at the turnout and the amount of energy that was there. Originally, the show was going to be at Mary's Underground, which is this absolutely tiny, tiny venue. Um, That was actually where we did the Diablo event. Oh, gosh, the little subterranean rock and roll venue down near Circular Quay. That's not that's not big at all. No, it's very small. I don't know capacity and I'm not clever enough to figure it out, but like maybe like 150, 200 something. A couple of hundo max, yeah. Yeah, so that sold out bloody instantly <laughs> um, and got upgraded to a larger venue in Moore Park called Liberty Hall, yeah. um, which again, I'm not sure, maybe like 600 or something. That again sold out quite quickly. Um, and I feel like it goes to show maybe a little trepidation on Romy's side or her team's side of like not really sure how the album is being received and whether people are going to want to come to these shows in Australia and people are down for it very very down for it game for it you could say that's the name of the show uh that is genuinely amazing because as a performer it must be super edifying to get to a gig and know that you've already sold two out like and you've had to keep getting upsized so what was the vibe like at the actual concert and uh what sort of performance was it oh Paul, I'm such a grumpy gut. I I would have happily stayed home. <laughs> <laughs> but is that was that was that Romy or was that you? Did, like, no, was it? It was other people. It was the crowd. It was people right. just being inconsiderate and like trying to shove their way to the front. And at one point, the guy behind me was filming, and he had his arm over my head, but he was excited, so he was jumping up and down. Which, by the way, gonna make for a terrible video. <laughs> and elbowing me in the head yeah, okay. with each jump. It's stuff like that. So not at all on Romy. Yeah, she was a very sweet performer, and uh, she came down into the crowd at one point to have a dance with everyone. And there's actually photos of that moment on her Instagram with yeah. me in the background with a pretty <laughs> sour face on. <laughs> so I saw a story where you tagged Romy saying, what kind of hour do you call this? Because it started a little bit late. I love the fact that a review of what is ostensibly an excellent album by a wonderful performer has turned into a slam on a badly behaved audience <laughs> member at a show that started a bit late. But it is like just so much fun. I think it's something that really celebrates uh, queer culture as well in a way that feels very grounded and real. It's not kind of your 
Beyonce and Renaissance just leaning hard into club and Vogue. It mm. uses elements of sort of those night scenes, but really brings it to a place that feels um, like connection and truth. And it's also just really, really catchy. So yeah, strong recommend. All right, Paulie, what is your Albami of the Year, Ali? <laughs> well, I was like, look, I wish you hadn't said it that way, but you did, and we're here. <laughs> so, okay, I can't help it. My Albami of the Year is is uh, is <laughs> it's by a performer who I've been in love with for years, um, mm. called Sampha, and the album's called Lahai. Mm. Now, Sampha's but the first time I heard Sampha, I was actually listening to an album by an artist called Subtract back in I think 2010, 2011, and Sampha was doing. You know, vocals on a couple of tracks. And sometimes, sometimes a guest vocalist will pop up on albums and they kind of steal the show. And that's what happened with Sampha. Sampha performed on a Solange album as well and did exactly the same thing. That's how I feel about um, the Disclosure track Latch with Sam Smith on it. I think that was the first time I heard Sam Smith and just so catchy, just really stole the show. One of those songs where I'm like, oh, I want more of exactly this. Oh yeah, and you can kind of tell when one of those people has the talent at those early stages, and it's really nice to see them get a full album. And then when you follow them from that kind of track into the album space and it works, it's an absolute miracle. So Sampa wrote his first album uh, in the wake of his mother dying, and it became this sort of really sad, plaintive album that was sort of contending with mortality and above all else it was an extraordinarily beautiful very catchy album and then he just sort of disappeared so he hasn't done anything in about i think six seven years he'd done a few live shows he'd done a few more guest spots but really it seems like much like uh Romy, he sort of i don't think he was built for the spotlight i don't think Sanford is built for fame like he clearly loves his craft but he doesn't love all the trappings so he had a daughter in 2020 uh during lockdown and he effectively wrote an album about moving forward and about therapy. And it's all sort of revolving around this book that was written in the 70s, 60s or 70s, called Jonathan Livingston Seagull, which was a sort of like hippie-ish kind of new agey book about a seagull learning to kind of fly faster than sound. But really it was a, um, it was sort of a, it was a mildly therapeutic new age book that was a huge fad and it helped Sampha kind of process his feelings. So he's now written this album called Lahai, which is kind of a an ode to mental health and dealing with trauma and uh, moving through and healing. And it's it's absolutely incredible. I think I prefer it to his first album, frankly. No, it's very funny, Paul. <laughs> I've listened to Lahai and I am someone who has maybe a bit of a difficult time tuning into lyrics. Like they just yeah. pass me by for quite a long time. I have to listen many, many times over for me to even start hearing the words and then for the words to click. <laughs> didn't didn't pick up on any of that. I'm just like sonically this is lit. <laughs> did you did Okay. Be, beyond the audio soup of his beautifully crafted words, which flowed over you like rainwater, did you enjoy the album on an acoustic level? Oh, absolutely. I think there's a real balance of power and delicacy in the album he's got a really warm voice that sort of knows how to play with the finer edges of a sound mm. i sound so fruity talking about this <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly the thing i mean he does sort of make you 
He starts in pop, and then by the time you finish, it's like you're listening to a TED talk. And I really enjoy the fact that I leave songs where it's got a kind of weird beat and some jazz elements. And he goes into these amazing places where I come away going, oh yeah, that is an interesting way of two people dealing with trauma in different ways. Oh, cool. This is like a real left turn, but did you know apparently there's studies that show that the likelihood of developing PTSD is like directly correlated to one's self-compassion? That is genuinely interesting. Yeah, so apparently the level of self-compassion is more likely to determine one's chance or likelihood of developing PTSD than number of combat hours. This was a study done with, like, military. Yeah, so if, so what you're saying is if you go to war for 20 minutes and you have zero self-compassion and endure one terribly traumatic thing, you may have more PTSD than someone who went for five years, did a whole bunch of terrible shit, but he's extremely kind to themselves. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's not as simple as that because having more or less PTSD is a really, like... Yeah. It's not a, perhaps not it's a great not way to frame it but you know <laughs> yeah. like yes yes essentially yeah it's it's so weird because i mean I, I started therapy this year and self-repair and self-examination has been a big through line of not this year last year 2023 <laughs> the the year we are looking at and it's been so interesting to listen to art and look at art like this album through the prism of self-improvement and self-repair and hear other people's perspectives and because Sanford went through great traumas and used his daughter and his art and a very daggy self-help book to heal himself. And because it came out in such a beautiful way, by the time I finished the album, I felt, I don't know, I felt lighter. And I felt like that's, if, if you're an artist, if you're a creative, if you're a musician, anyone, any kind of performer, and you have people feeling that way about your work, I think you've achieved something pretty special. I also love that that isn't a thing that's like exclusive to a big artist. Mm. And I think that's something that's nice to remember that there are tons of artists out there, lots of people maybe just doing stuff in their bedroom and you don't need to be huge and have an international record deal um, in order to be making impactful stuff. It's just about creating. So that's something that I really love about music. There's just, sometimes it's just people doing stuff, you know? You know, Paul? Just little silly guys just messing around. And there is something so great about having somebody tell you what your work means to them. It doesn't have to be music. It can be anything. It can be that freaky dance you did on the street corner. Uh, as long as it touches one person, I think, it's, <laughs> I think it's worth it. And that's also why we love when people message us and are like, oh, I really love the podcast. Yes, please. Yum, yum. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Actually, that's really interesting because my runner-up for album of the year is by an artist who is so, so small not physically, in terms of his actual like digital footprint that I have reached out to him multiple times to tell him how much I like his work. He doesn't sell merch. He doesn't have much of a 
He basically, he's, I think he might be a ghost I imagine. So his name's Elijah Fox and he's a piano player. He's like a jazz sessions musician. And he had this track called Wyoming, which kind of crossed my metaphorical desk halfway through last year. And uh, it's, I think it's like 40 short piano tracks that basically sort of loop and interweave. And it's all geographically themed of different parts of America and LA. And I think I've had that thing on a loop the entire year. Elijah Fox is like, stop calling me i'm just trying to do my thing maybe i'm glad you like it little man in australia but stop messaging me or i've been on linkedin messaging an elijah fox who's like an accountant who's like please i don't know who you are i can't play piano it's so amazing that this guy i I just felt deeply compelled rad to kind of reach out and go hey i thought your album was amazing also i said is it on vinyl and uh i don't even think that's occurred to him that people would want that well did he respond to you no not at all well, then you don't know what's occurred to him or not. That's true. You got no idea. He's giving you, he's giving you crumbs. His music speaks for him. If his music has conveyed <laughs> the sort of emotional tether of somebody who wants a vinyl release, then that's up to me to interpret. When you say that it's an album that's inspired by like particular American locales, mm. one cannot help but think about Sufjan Stevens, of course. Oh my God, and his weird musical tour across America. He's never going to finish that, right? No, I think it was like, wasn't it partly a joke? Was it? Yeah, I think it was like a little bit of... A little bit tongue-in-cheek, which is incredible because it's like one of his most popular albums was kind of a joke, but that just feels like a very Sufjan thing to do. Yeah, I, I remember when um when Anna Diamas was meant to be, she was in the trailer for that Yesterday, that Beatles film that Richard Curtis made a couple of years back, and a couple of dudes, or maybe just one dude in the States, sued the filmmakers because the trailer implied the presence of Anna Diamas and she wasn't in it. Now... We can't sue Sufjan Stevens for not fulfilling his musical promises, uh, but we can gently pivot towards artists to fulfill them. <laughs> so have you ever been to Wyoming? Do I need to now that I've listened to it? Um, I mean, I'd well, like to. I mean, I've, I've heard Toto's Africa, and I wouldn't say that it's made me feel like I need to go visit. <laughs> Someone tells me there, there are better songs that capture the struggle of the African people than... Toto. <laughs> uh, I think you'll find it was capturing the rain. Was it? Was it? Was it Nelson Mandela trapped in that song throughout most of the eighties? I have no idea. No. But oh my God. Elijah Fox. Yes. So you've you've not been to Wyoming and you don't intend to. Like the the album hasn't tantalized you with its little tickled ivories to go visit. Well, no, it's not an it's not a it's not an official release of the Wyoming Tourism Board. It's just it's just an evocative. But- saying how much you like love the connection and the feeling that yeah. uh, music and this you know album is able to bring you does that not make you curious to experience a place that inspired a piece of art that you love so much that is a very interesting question sometimes right i have a bit of a problem when i watch like the making of a thing because it, it breaks the illusion that the thing is a real thing it doesn't matter whether it's a painting or a film or whatever i don't when i'm in a when i'm in a narrative or an experience i don't want to know how it was made right then later on sure but when i'm actually trying to enjoy it i don't want to think about touching the sides right so when a song is written about Wyoming, I guess tangentially related to that weird impulse of mine, I'm worried the real thing won't be as beautiful or mysterious as the song. And if I go there and it's a dumpster fire full of meth users in a caravan park, then when I hear the song, maybe the song will be <laughs> retroactively ruined. Is that weird? I think it's about using the song as a vehicle 
to find the beauty that the artist is talking about. Damn. And I think that that's a really cool... So, okay. Uh, you know Sigaros? Yes. Very, very popular Icelandic band who are kind of... Being Icelandic is one of their things. They're sort of known for it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and their music, for me, didn't click, didn't make sense. I didn't enjoy it until I saw, like, music videos and things of their music overlaid on images of like the Icelandic landscape love it to me that is a music that is so tied to that place that you need to know and understand one to understand the other that is very beautifully put and it's actually the same reason that I uh, can't truly enjoy Beyonce's All the Single Ladies till I've seen all the single ladies (laughs) you're being silly I'm being silly you're being silly I'm I'm just happy to be here listen Wyoming, enthusiastic thumbs up. <laughs> Elijah Fox, please call me. What is your runner-up album for our album of the year episode, Rad? Uh, I'm going to say Chica with Samson, colon, the album. Now, Chica is a highly, highly talented and outspoken artist. Super duper talented. Uh, and this album, Samson, is just so lyrically sharp and confident. She pulls no punches. She's the kind of person that isn't afraid to be controversial and like really say whatever it is that she wants to say in, in a way that's very, very exciting. And just musically, oh, it's got groove. It is so catchy and like, it's the kind of music you listen to and it makes you feel like maybe you're a little bit cooler than you are. Oh, I love that kind of stuff. So it sounds like performatively, We've got an artist here who is completely different from the previous three in this episode, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe an artist that's like not afraid uh, to have the spotlight on them um, for potentially like ruffling some feathers. Like in in the uh, album, she comes for some big artists. She kind of comes for Beyonce a little bit. Like in 2018, she went viral for a freestyle that she addressed at Kanye West over his own beat for Jesus and like came at him for his support of Donald Trump and things like that like she's not afraid and I love hearing from someone who's not afraid because Paul I'm so afraid <laughs> we're, both, we're both very fearful people I really, yeah it's so interesting because yeah a lot of music that you know I listen to is very it is sort of wish fulfillment in a way. It says things I can't say. It does things I can't do. I enjoy those sorts of narratives. So it sounds like Chica is kind of... Is it fair to say that Chica is like an avatar for a side of you that you wish you could kind of throw out there a bit more? Maybe a bit because it really is such a confident album and there's so much flow to it and she like dodges and weaves through the music in a way that just always keeps you on the wire. And it's intoxicating to sort of spend time with someone who regardless of whether you agree with what they've got to say or not, isn't afraid to say it, but also in a way that doesn't feel like an attack. It still feels like there's a groundedness and a kindness behind it. And, you know, lyrically as well, she sort of talks about a bit about self-doubt. Like she's not just there throwing punches at people. It's also yeah. like, well, you know, I criticize this, but then what does that say about me and like the things that I do and that kind of like very rich, very uh, kind of deep approach to fairly big concepts and topics, which again, I love, but let me just bring it back musically. Wonderful. It's all about the music. That's amazing. It's like how I don't care about stories and games. (laughs) 
Like, <laughs> lyrics are great. Don't get me wrong. I love a good lyric. Yeah. But the music has to slap. Yeah, so you don't you don't go for the lyrics. You, they're not the reason you rock up. Which, which, when it comes to rappers and performers like that, and especially wordsmiths, if you... It, by the way, it does take me a few listens to absorb lyrics as well. I don't want you to feel like you are weird or aberrant in that way. That That is, I have to kind of rinse repeat with myself as well. I find it very strange when I'm listening to a song with someone and they make a comment on a lyric and it's the first time that they've heard it and I've heard this song like 80 times. Oh my God. I'm like, what did they say? I have had people point out lyrics of songs that I've heard a hundred times and I'm like, ah, oh, I've never noticed the lyrics. In fact, I listen to a lot of Japanese city pop and I have no idea what they're saying. No idea at all. It really is just about the way it makes me feel afterwards. And I think that's a totally valid way to experience music. Yeah, I've had a really kind of renaissance interesting experience um, this summer holidays of listening to quite a bit of Death Cab again. And I'm very familiar with a lot of their music, but I was listening and like the speaker was kind of in another room, sort of in the background. And I just sort of noticed I was feeling like, oh man, this song feels like watching a loved one die. Wow. Like I just had that feeling of like a yearning, a uh, uh, grief that isn't quite in its full swing yet. Just this sort of trepidation and waiting. And then I went to the other room and it was the song What Sarah Said, which is exactly, <laughs> exactly <laughs> what the song's about, you know? <laughs> and you could argue like being very familiar with that song, even though I wasn't fully like aware of it, I would have you know, known that's what it was about and mm. made that connection sort of subconsciously. But no, I think Death Cab like really capture, uh, sonically they capture emotions in a way that's just so good. Good musicians can do that. I mean, uh, if you listen to really good film scoring for films that you are, you know, even mildly familiar with, you should be able to pick whether the music is uh, depicting certain scenes, whether they're like iconic tragic scenes, romantic scenes. There are certain things that twig certain emotions and lyrics or no, a good musician can harness that pretty readily, I think. And John Williams can harness the sound of Christmas in Home Alone's Uh, you know, in that second film, he absolutely, I think Kevin, I think him, he lured them into the house. That's entrapment. I think he's actually up for like attempted murder in that second film. You know, we have to stop this episode because it's just going to keep going because right now I want to tell you, this is me slipping in the information and then rapping. Uh, yeah. Right now I want to tell you that Home Alone 4, which is with a different actor, well, different actors across the board. Uh, the premise is that Kevin McAllister's parents have divorced. No, he's, no. He's off at like his dad's house with his dad's new wife. Is it canon? I mean, yeah, I think so. <laughs> if, if Look, if Macaulay's not in it, then don't even McCall me to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to our album of the year episode of Game for Anything. I'm Paul, that's Rad, and we'll see you soon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.